2: Because it's three Monday for three teams in this division. Uh, the Eagles with a big win yesterday. The Cowboys with a big win. I guess you can call it a big win when you beat the Commanders. I don't know. And the the Giants had a big win too because they're three and one. There's three teams that in this division there that, that are three and one or better tone. And uh, the NFC East is looking pretty good on this fine Monday.
3: Yes, it's, it's, it's fascinating because who would have thought the the NFC East would go from being the NFC least. That's what everyone's talked about, right? But uh, the NFC East has the best combined record out of all the divisions in the NFL. So, I mean, it's it's something to be said about that, you know, but it all begins and ends with the Philadelphia Eagles, who are now 4-0, the lone, unbeaten team. Still, that doesn't say much, but there's so much more to discuss, so much to talk about. Jeff, I'm excited about this win, man. You know, first things first, you know, what was your initial response to the way the game started and then the way the game progressed from there.
2: So it was a weird game tone. I, I mean, I'll be honest. Like I, I got, I was soaking wet walking into that game. I, obviously it, it was cold. Um, it, it, I got to tell you this story too. The players were shivering at the end of the game. Like Lane Johnson was literally shivering when we were talking to him and Javon Hargrave was saying how cold it was, uh, Jason Kelsey, Miles Sanders. It was a cold day, Tony. It, you know, it is one of those where you dream about football. You know, that's the football where you want to be in, but then you actually play in it. I've played in that <laughs> where before. It's not fun. I hated it. Um, you know, you were better off playing in it than you were standing on the sidelines. But yeah, overall, though, when they went down early, the whole 14 0 bid and you know, Jalen Hurts are the pick six. I remember everybody was getting on A.J. Brown for that effort, I guess you want to call it. Uh, you know, I, I think he wasn't sure what he wanted to do, honestly. Like, whether he wanted to just bring down Andre Cisco, whether he took a bad angle. And then, I mean, because he did hustle at the end of the play. So that was weird to me. Like, I didn't notice it right away, but then I saw people talking about it on Twitter. But then Jacksonville goes right down the field. They go down 14 nothing, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, they're going to have their work cut out for them today. Right. And I give them all the credit in the world. They faced some adversity. They could have folded in, in that weather. They didn't, they didn't even panic tone. Like they didn't, even, they didn't even look at it and say, okay, wow, we're down 14, nothing like this, you know, this is a big deal. No, they. they you know, nothing needed to be said. Um, that's what Jalen Hurt said. Nothing needed to be said. And it just went down and made a couple key stops. Jacksonville bit themselves in the foot a bit and, they earned a, a hard-fought win against what I feel is a good football team in the Jacksonville Jaguars.
3: Yeah, you know, from my perspective, they weathered the storm. And that's all you can really ask from this team in those given circumstances. And like I said, they are not 9-4-0. And they just continue to find different ways to win a game. You know how they always say styles make fights. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles – they can pretty much handle any fight. So we've seen, you know, there's so much more competition to go. But, you know, let's bask in this. You know, what does this win in particular, the way they did it, the adversity they face? Like you said, what does this win in particular say about this team right now?
2: Well, there were a couple things I wanted to see in this game tone, and I think we got them. one was what happens when they do go down early. And, you know, we saw that since Detroit. That was our first deficit since Detroit what happens when they go down early against what we feel is a good team with a very good defense? Right. And this is my opinion on it. They pounded the ball down their throats, which I – I don't want to say I didn't expect it, but I didn't think they were going to do what they did against the number one run defense like that. I thought Jacksonville was much, much better at stopping the run than that. And maybe that's because of what I watched the first three games, but – you had to give credit to Nick Sirianni and that offensive line, who, by the way, did not have Jordan Malata, did not have Jack Driscoll for portions of that game. You know, they, they were down to – Isaac Samoa was injured. They were down to different to different combinations that game, and they still ran 50 times for 210 yards. And really it was 213 because they, they had a couple meal downs at the end of the game. But overall, they were challenged by that Jacksonville team, and they got Doug Pearson's best early, and like you said, They weathered the storm, and they played old-school football to beat a team like that on a day where you needed to play old-school football. And you got to give the defense a ton of credit. They had a stretch where they only allowed 17 yards on 13 plays. That's when they scored 20 on the answer points in the second quarter to get back into that. But um, the final thing, Tone, they did score in the second half, and they needed to do that. And you got to give them all the credit in the world. You really do.
3: Yeah, it's funny because I don't know if this team is capable of coming back like this last year or even two or three years ago. I just don't know if this team had, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's the right leadership. And that's not at the coaching position, but just at the quarterback position, right? I don't know if this team last year or the years prior has the the wherewithal to come back from being down 14-0 early. And you know, again, they dug deep in this game we found out a lot about this team in a matter of 60 minutes and the game happened fast and hassan reddick had one of the more fascinating sound bites of the game you know he and this is and and this is the perfect segue one of one of the reporters asked him you know do you attribute um a lot of your turnovers that you forced to the weather conditions do you guys think you had the advantage and hassan reddick and this is you know i'm paraphrasing here but Hassan Reddick basically said, well, I mean, they played in the same weather we did. You know, nobody cared about the weather when they went up 14-zip on us, and it mattered then. So why should it matter now? No, we're not going to give them that out. At the end of the day, we came in, played in the same weather they did, we weathered the storm, and we did what we needed to do and came out with the win. So let's not take away from what we did because we actually was able to finish the job. That's essentially what he was saying, right? And, you know, Hassan Reddick... One of the storylines of the game, a guy who started off the season slow, right? Mm-hmm. Came into the game, ended it with two strip sacks, two fumble recoveries, you know, a couple tackles for loss. He was everywhere. He was active. So what's, you know, what was your evaluation of Hassan Reddick in that game and just how he's been coming along as a Philadelphia Eagle?
2: Well, I'm going to add on to this for you. Uh, you know, you're talking about the way Jacksonville said the same thing. They're like, hey, you know, they play the same way we did. Yeah, you know, we just turned the ball over. And Christian Kirk said that. Trevor Lawrence did say, hey, you know what? It rains all the time in Florida. Uh, we're just not used to the cold and the wind. In fact, I'll give you a story quick before I get into the Reddit thing. So I, I got to talk to Javon Hargrave. Uh, you know, I, I was with Ed Kratz. You know, we were just talking to him about the game. And I asked him about the weather. And he goes, you know what, Jeff, to be honest with you, it was colder when we went into the locker room at halftime. <laughs> so, like, that's when they felt it. Like, when right. they're out playing, and they and he said he could sense they felt it, too, with the weather, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, that's a different vantage point there. And, you know, I saw Reddit can sugarcoat the weather thing all he wants, which, I, I again, Tony, I, I actually agree with what he said, but – it definitely played a role in the second half of that game because I feel like that's when Hassan Reddick really turned it on. Um, and look, he, he did a really good job against what I feel is a Jacksonville offensive line that has significantly improved, and he was able to get to the quarterback. And I think Jacksonville, you know, they had to worry about Brandon Graham, Cam Rob had to worry about him. But then you got Hassan Reddick coming out. Just like full force, really. I mean, that was the Hassan Reddick from Arizona. That was the Hassan Reddick from Carolina. That's the Hassan Reddick the Eagles paid for on something, The difference maker, the game changer. Like, as soon as you worried, maybe a little bit, when it was twenty nine twenty one, 21, Thunder two minutes ago in the fourth, Hassan Reddick just ends it right there. Just gets the strip sack, fumble, second one of the day, recovers it, game over. He's the first player since Jared Allen in 2005 and only second player ever to have two fumble recoveries, two forced fumbles, and two sacks in the game. That's impressive, Tony. Uh, so I got to give all – again, I got to give all the credit to Hassan Reddick in the world. He he was the difference maker on a defense that has a ton of them.
3: Yeah, another, another uh, game changer, another difference maker was an offense the ball, Miles Sanders. Man, did he come – with his chin strapped, buckled two times. Did he come to make like, like, like did, did, he made sure that this was a game that he was going to dominate? And I give credit to Nick Seriani feeding him. I give credit to Jalen Hurts even um giving him the ball more so in those in those RPO situations, right? But Miles Sanders I mean, left the game with 27 rush attempts, 134 yards, average five yards a carry, two touchdowns. He was he he was he was in rare form today. We've never seen him with this with this workload. And that just speaks to the level of conditioning he's prepared himself throughout the offseason. And another key factor of this game that I was actually worried about, I was worried that he would be the fumbling machine today. I'll be honest. Because Miles Sanders has moments where he has those mental lapses, and today was the perfect environment. Today was the perfect day for Miles Sanders to revert back to that version of himself. So what was your thoughts on Miles Sanders' game you know, can you expand on just his impact and just when the, the tide started to shift, when he started to become more involved?
2: You got to give the Eagles a ton of credit here too, Tone. Yeah, get 50 carries, no fumbles. Your turnover 50 carries, was, no fumbles.
3: Yeah. That, that's, a big, that's a big one.
2: Yeah. And Jacksonville, look, they fumbled four times. And it was all yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You know, well, ones,
3: actually, let's not forget James Robinson, I think, fumbled as well, but they got it back.
2: Yeah, yeah. They did get back. So, yeah, technically they had five fumbles. Yeah. Yep. You're right there. So... Maybe that's just the difference in how the Eagles are built. Like, the Eagles had a, a terrible takeaway in the first quarter, And, again, you know, Jalen Hurts said it best, you know, shouldn't, you know, do an interception. Now, I mean, hey, he knows the mistake he made. But after that, they were flawless on offense. I'm like, oh, man, they, you know, they might fumble the ball a ton today. Jalen Hurts is going to pound the rock. You know, Trey Sermon, another one. He didn't fumble the ball when he got his minimal attempt. But you're right. Miles Sanders ran like a man possessed. He just looks like a completely different player. Uh, If I had to rank the running backs of the NFL right now, Tone, it would be Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders.
3: Really? Right
2: right now, because Miles Hmm. Sanders is third in the NFL in rushing yards. He's third in the NFL in yards per carry for running backs that have over 60 carries. Um, The touchdowns, again, two touchdowns yesterday in the pouring down rain and the wind. Miles Sanders Nick Sirianni said it. Tone. he is our number one running back.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm- I mean, I mean you guys were well, not you, but a lot of people questioned it, right? In the offseason, which I don't understand why, but I mean, it was questioned. So, I mean, yeah, it it, it it was it was cool to poke fun at that narrative, for sure.
2: Oh, it is. And you know what? Sanders just feels like a different person, right? So, yesterday, you know, a- after his press conference, he can't get his pads off, and he's like smiling about it. I don't think he wanted to take his pads off yesterday. I think <laughs> he had a game like that. I mean, why, why? would you? But you
3: run for 135 yards. You want to keep them bad boys on. You might want to frame them.
2: Yeah, I think that's what he wanted to do. Like he had to get like two equipment badges out to get his pads off yesterday. I mean, he was soaking wet too. But you could tell Miles Sanders was having fun in that yesterday. Uh, I I think he knows the Eagles have all the confidence in the world, and. Guess what? He does a fat 8 coming this way, whether it's from the Eagles or somebody else.
3: Yeah, and, you know, I don't know. And that's a whole other topic that, you know, I don't want to necessarily get into yet his contract situation because there's so much football left to play. But, you know, Miles Sanders had a career day. And the team, 50 attempts, 210 yards. You know, Jalen Hurts did his thing. You know, there was a moment in that game where Jalen Hurts willed his team back into the game. And that was when they went down 14-0 and they drove down the field, and he had this touchdown run that just signified we're not losing this game. Everything everything about that moment signified to me that we're not losing this game. He went toe-to-toe with, I don't know if it was a linebacker or a safety, but they went bite of the body, and he crossed the threshold, and he put up the first points. And I got to give credit to Nick Sirianni for being aggressive. He was aggressive early, and he set the tone. He made it very clear that this is the kind of game we're playing. We're going forward, and we're going to make sure these guys know across from us that it's going to be a long day.
2: Yeah, so that linebacker was Devin Lloyd, by the way. I didn't want to cut you off there. So no, you good. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what. That you're right. That that play, in my mind, I thought changed all the momentum. Fourth and three. Yeah, Jalen Hurts takes QVC. I see Lloyd coming, and again, this is on the other side of the field. I'm like, oh, right, Devin Lloyd's gonna lay him out. He is just gonna obliterate him because Devin Lloyd can hit. Jalen, you heard the pound. Like you, you could see that he was gonna, he was embracing it. I thought he got shoulder into him. No, he got his helmet in the Devin Lloyd. The lower man won. You know, the low man wins in football. Too. Jalen Hurst is the lower. That guy just does not care. He has no fear. And I think his team saw that and said, you know what? Damn it. We are not losing this football game. This guy is willing to put his body on the line to win a football game. Everybody talks about, oh, he, he's a really good talker, you know. Is that why he's a good leader? No, he's a good leader by actions speak louder than words. You know, you got a guy like Carson West, i got to be better. No, J- Jalen Hurts does that. He makes up for the mistakes he caused early in the game. And I, that's why <laughs> people gravitate toward Jalen Hurts. When you see a play like that, when you see Jalen Hurts, thank his, his running backs, thank his offensive line, make plays like that. Jalen Hurts is a good football player, Tony. I mean, it, you know, it, it was hard to put up MVP numbers yesterday, but Jalen Hurts turned in an MVP-type performance just by what he was able to do to bring them back.
3: Yeah, you know, yesterday's weather for me wasn't about the numbers at all, right? Like you said, it was no way for someone to really deliver an MVP caliber performance, you know, in those conditions. Um, you know, the you know the, the the turf was soaking wet. You know, the ball was slipping and sliding in and everywhere. You know, but... This offense, man, after going down 14-0, they just somehow some way just took complete control of this game. And I know we said the numbers didn't mean anything, but there were only two numbers, in my opinion, that told the entire story of the game. That was time of possession and total plays. The Philadelphia Eagles controlled the ball for 39 minutes and 51 seconds. The Jags only controlled it for 20 minutes and nine seconds. And the Philadelphia Eagles was able to get 77 plays off the Jags, Only 46 plays. So that just tells you right then and there who was controlling the pace of this game. And there are moments where people lose those games. We've seen the Bills dominate every stat every stat line, and they still lose the game to the Dolphins, right? The Philadelphia Eagles, that didn't happen with them. And they dictated the pace. They were physical. And they made sure the Jacksonville Jaguars know the first quarter is just the beginning. You know, you have to get to the end. And, you know, I said before this game started, and, you know, next up we have our guy Mike Gill. He's on his way here. Um, but I told a lot of people before this game started, this has to be a Miles Sanders game and this has to be a game for the big bodies, not the faint of heart, not the skinny guys. This wasn't the Devontae Smith, you know, esque environment. This game was for the big bodies, the AJ Browns, the Dallas Goddard. You know what I'm saying? AJ Brown, five catches, 95 yards, no touchdowns. He would have had one, but they called it back. Um, Dallas Goddard, five catches, 72 yards. And then everyone else had 22 yards or less in receiving. And and, and and three or less uh, catches, so this was a game for the big bodies. This was a game for the guys that had the most meat in their bones to be able to um, dictate the pace. Jalen Hurts squat at 600 pounds, Dallas Goddard, like 6'4, six, 6'5, six, runs like a deer, but he, you know, he's knocking he, 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 he's knocking guys down like a moose. Then you got AJ Brown, a guy who has hands like glue, that was doing his thing in the middle of the field and catching those clutch third down, um, those clutch, those clutch third down, uh, receptions. So you have to get credit where credit is due, man. And this Philadelphia's offense. They are again continuing to show that they know how to win in de- in various ways in various situations.
2: Yeah, they got four hundred yards yesterday, Town. Like four hundred
3: yards like, in those yeah. elements, right?
2: Yeah. Who would have thought at the beginning of the game? You're like, oh man, you know, yeah, okay, the Eagles are going to win, but it's going to be ugly. Well, it was ugly for the other team. I I mean, in my mind, the only ugly part was them going down fourteen nothing right away. But they kept yeah. their composure, they got everything together, they scored twenty nine on extra points, which was enough. To win a football game. And, and look, this is what I like about this team. And, and I'll talk about this with Mike too. They're 4 0, but they got to keep their foot on the gas. Because you got, I mean, you got the Giants. You got, I mean, 3 1's 3 and 1. The Cowboys are 3 and 1. The Giants are 3 and 1. You got to keep up the pace. And they're able to do that. And, you know, we'll talk about this too later in the week. I'm I mean, going to be watching some of the Arizona game. It looked like Arizona had an ugly win yesterday, but. They're still alive, Tone, two and two in that, in that NFC West. You know, it, it's going to be a big game next
3: week. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they, you know, they have a test ahead of them, right? You know, Eagles got to go to the desert. They don't have the best luck in the desert. But I think this is a different regime. I think they have a different mentality in how they approach the game, how they approach winning, how they approach, you know, adversity, right? And you know, we when we have so much more to discuss with our guy, Mike Gill. So, um, he actually he's actually in the green room right now. Any final thoughts, Jeff, before we go to break?
2: Um, you know what? Uh, I'm just curious to see what Mike thinks about the commanders Cowboys game yesterday because I got to watch bits and pieces of it, obviously, being at the link and doing a lot of Eagles coverage yesterday. But yeah, I'm curious to hear his thoughts on the other games of the division because I know he watched them all.
3: Hey, you guys heard it here first. He's Jeff, he's Jeff Kerr. I'm Tone the II. You guys are locked in on. Good morning, NFC East. Don't go anywhere. Don't move that dial. So much more to discuss. Smash that like button. Continue to stay engaged in the live chat. Make sure you guys are subscribed to Jacob Sports. Once again, he's Jeff Kerr, and this is Good Morning, NFC East. Keep it locked, you guys.
4: At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
0: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win. Go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
1: Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first!
4: Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Score and save in Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit
0: flywithcolony.com. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown's five-day used car super sale. Jeff puts an end to high prices now. Five days of the best car, truck, and SUV deals ever. Over 1,000 vehicles, every make and model. Stop overpaying. See Jeff today and get a quality car, truck, or SUV now. The five-day used car super sale. Experience how easy it is to deal at Jeff's. Nobody treats you better. Nobody gives you more. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. GoJeffAuto.com.
2: In the house every Monday, Mike will be joining us on a victory Monday or a losing Monday. We haven't had one of those in Philadelphia yet, Mike. But I gotta start with this. Um, So after the game yesterday, we're we're interviewing James Bradbury, right? I don't know if you saw the clip yet. The clip I posted, but you got Darius Slay basically just sitting. You know, he's changing, and he goes, "You know, the real question you gotta ask is how the Giants let you go." And Bradbury. Because you got to ask the Giants. Boy, hmm. Giants fans were really in my feels this morning. You know, saying, oh, Eagle lucky they're 4-0, this and that, this and that. To me, there's a lucky team in this division, and it ain't to fill out the Philadelphia Eagles.
4: Yeah, it was an interesting day yesterday. Um, no, I don't think the Eagles were so much lucky. I think yesterday kind of shows you that. Re- begrudgingly, if you're a Giant fan, Cowboy fan, and I don't know that commanders are even paying attention anymore, but – begrudgingly, you might have to be um, bold enough to say this Eagles team might be pretty good. Are they the best team in the league? Maybe not, but there's very few teams in the league that are legitimately good football teams. Everybody's got flaws. It's up and down. It's all around. Everybody beats somebody. And then the answer was, well, they didn't beat anybody. There's nobody to beat. All the teams are mediocre. It's a week-to-week, mediocre league that the Eagles right now are showing people of a league filled of mediocrity. We're one of the few that is out of the mediocre uh, mediocre category. We're actually in the good category. That was a good win yesterday. You know, it's, it's a nasty day. They get down. We talked about Friday. Sal Powell is on my show every Friday, and he said the worst thing that could happen is an early turnover that they convert, and you're down playing from behind on a nasty day. And it happened, and they figured out a way to still win the game, and almost in dominating fashion. I mean, take away the first quarter and a half of that game. They dominated that game yesterday against a team that probably in the end is going to be pretty good. Now, is that game played the same way if the weather's... Different, I don't know, does, does Trevor Lawrence fumble four times? I don't think it's ever happened in history where a guy's lost four fumbles in a game. Um, they turned the ball over five times. Some of that is the Eagles. Some of that could have been the weather. But in the end, that was a good football uh, team on a good and a good football win.
2: Since at least 1991, no quarterback has ever fumbled the football four times in a game. So th- there's your answer. I mean, it's, it's rare, but look at those conditions. And I, think, like, I was cold and I was in the press box. <laughs> I was cold walking down there. The uh, Players were telling me after the game how cold it actually was. Javon Hargrave, I, I mentioned earlier in the show, he was so cold at halftime because that was like, I guess when their bodies were trying to warm up. And, you know, he said they were feeling them. They were on the sideline. Lane Johnson was shivering, but Hargrave said something to me that I thought really resonated. We're cold. How are they feeling? I knew they were cold. And I, I think that's what it was. I think the rain – got to them. I think the win got to them. I mean, if you were a fan of that game, you were not happy to be there. And I think that's what makes the win even more pressing.
4: Yeah. I mean, a lot of times what happens is in the beginning of a game, teams get warmed up, then the game starts and then you play your body heats up. Then you get that, you know, when you go down to Miami, one of the things about playing the Dolphins in September, that's so tough is it's so hot and you're playing the game. And then you go into halftime, and they blast the air conditioners in the locker room, and you're like, oh, this is nice. And then your body kind of changes, and then you go out for the third quarter, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is hot again. It was almost reversed this week where, you know, Jacksonville, you play the first half, they played well. Then they go into the locker room, they warm up, and it feels good. And then you get back out there, and you're kind of tense and cold. Uh, I just thought the Eagles – um, utilize their physicality against a team that's probably not there yet. That's a young team. They're very talented. They got a lot of – but young guys generally in the early stages, they don't like to get beat up by the men. And the Eagles have some grown men, and they just utilize their size and physicality in that game. I mean, um, you know, I call a lot of high school football games, and the guy that I do the broadcast with, He'll always say, run that same play again. Run that play. What's it called? Again. You run it again. Run it again until they figure out how to stop it. Jacksonville just couldn't stop you yesterday. Miles Sanders dominated the game, but that offensive line dominated up front, and they just ran it again and again and again, and Jacksonville looked demoralized by the end.
2: Yeah, Jacksonville was one of those physical teams, too. You can tell they're taking on the personality of their defensive coordinator and their head coach. It's we are going to out physical you, but they got out physical yesterday. I, absolutely, and James Robinson, a guy who I thought was going to get the rock a lot yesterday. I think he only got nine carries. Like I, I don't think he got a lot, and I think he was down. I think Travis Etienne was worn down because of the Eagles' run defense and because of what TJ Edwards was doing. And I, I thought this what really broke their spine was Devin Lloyd, one of their hardest hitters one of their best playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, took a shot from Jalen Hurts. I thought initially Hurts took the shot, and again, I'm not watching on TV. Then you see the replay on TV and what? oh, no, QB1 was the guy who decided, I'm going to lower my head, and I'm going to provide the boom, and you are you are not taking that ball away from me in the end zone. You are not stopping me on fourth down. I thought that was a big difference of the game, and those are the type of plays that may get Jalen Hurts an MVP at the end of the year.
4: Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because if you were watching it on TV, you you thought the same thing that not only did he take a shot, you thought maybe it could have been a shot that knocked him out. You know, like, you know, ooh, you're thinking because he dives, he lowers the boom, and the ball does squirt out because it hits the ground. But on the, the initial quickness of the play, it almost looks like he took a shot so much that he almost got knocked to the point that the ball just came out and that he might have been just kind of laying there in a, in a graphic moment. But um, no, once they replayed it and you saw it from a different angle, he actually lowered the boom and ran right through Devin Lloyd, nothing stopping him to the end zone. He actually got to about the three-yard line and looked like he kicked it into another gear. I mean, it was a tremendous run, and I think at that moment, right, you kind of felt like, all right, they've weathered the storm. They got into the end zone. And then they get the ball back and uh, the you know Bradbury with that interception was a huge spot in the game too because they're driving down Jacksonville again. They're in the red zone and Bradbury comes in makes it just an unbelievable catch. There was a couple defining moments in that game and we go back to where we first started this conversation is that good teams make. I mean, you got to get that inter- uh, you got to get that turnover in the red the good teams get the turnover in that red zone. You know the mediocre teams that end up being like oh okay, they give up three, maybe six in that spot. The Eagles got the turnover in that spot. Um, so there was two plays, one on offense, one on defense, that really kind of changed the complexion. I think if Jacksonville gets in and scores in that spot, who knows?
2: Exactly. Well, here's the other one. What if they stop the Eagles, right? Because it's 14 0. So, so I sit with John Kincaid and Andrew Tacheco, which you two guys know very well. And we're debating when they go for it. We're like, yeah, they probably should kick here. They probably should take the points on a day like that. Yeah. Yeah, they, you know, they're on the ball down the middle. And then we laughed at their hurt score. We're like, well, that's why we're not General manager. That's why we're not football coaches. You know, that was the wise play there. I'll tell you another part of the game I thought was a genius move that I could see why Nick Seriani wants to oversee everything instead of calling plays. When he called the timeout in the third quarter so Jake Elliott could kick that field goal because the wind was at his back, and that's where it was all day long, and Elliott was making his kicks, he said, you know what, no, we are taking the points here. And they got even luckier that Jake Elliott was hit, but I think Jake Elliott might have felt that because I thought they were going to kick in the fourth quarter late, and I I think that roughing the kicker had a lot to do with that.
4: Yeah, you know, the whole um, role that Sirianni plays in this is an interesting conversation because it's, you know, a year and four games now into his tenure, it's kind of hard to figure out what he is and what role that he has. But I think that you mentioned the fact that he is a young coach who got this job based on he's an offensive guy um, primarily, and he is willing to say, you know, what did Doug famously say? Like, you know, that's the fun part is calling the plays. Well, sometimes, you know, having fun disrupts the success because you have too much on your plate. And Sirianni was was cognizant enough to say, we're not our best version if I'm calling the plays. I'm going to give that up. And then now it allows him to see the whole game and make decisions like that and have an understanding. You know, what happened with Denver not that they're any good, but the Nathaniel Hackett thing that he hired a guy. I said, I don't know why more coaches don't hire a guy specifically to run the clock for them. Why would we expect football coaches to also be elite clock managers? Like you can only be elite at so many things. Why do we think a football coach is going to be some elite mathematician in terms of running the clock? Like I have no problem with a coach. Stepping aside and and understanding that our team may be better if I'm not doing this, even though I'm maybe better than that guy at doing it, or I'm just as good, or whatever, it is lessening my ability to do what he did yesterday. So I think Sirianni is really growing into uh, you know that role, and right before our very eyes, and it, 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 there's moments each week that we see.
2: And he, you know, this is one thing I like about his coaching style. He can trust his offensive line coach in Jeff Allen. You know he trusts his offensive coordinator in Gene Steichen. He trusts his quarterback coach, Brian Johnson. Um, On the defensive side of the ball, right, I, I think Jonathan Gannon gives a lot of stuff to Denar Wilson, the defensive backs coach, because he can trust him. And Denar Wilson is going to be a defensive coordinator in this league, whether it's with the Eagles or somebody else. But you can tell the Eagles have a really strong coaching staff, and players are developing. They're getting better. Like There's a reason that Kobe Dean don't see the field, Like. T.J. Edwards makes plays.
4: Yeah. No. Well, and, you know, I think one of the things that John Gannon has kind of evolved into in his second season now is the fact that he's listening to the players a little bit more. You know, and he has players that he trusts. I mean, you don't listen to the players if you don't trust them. He trusts these guys and he trusts what they have to say. Look, yesterday, keep this in mind. They won that game yesterday. They started without Maddox. And I think Josiah Scott had a rough day at the office. And then losing Zay Jones. Zay Jones was the exact guy they couldn't lose in a game like that. How many drops did they have? Zay Jones is a sure-handed guy that maybe keeps the sticks moving. Uh, I thought Josiah Scott, they went after him a little bit, had a tough day at times. But – You have Maddox out, then you have Slay out, and you still dominated the game defensively with McPherson and Scott playing a lot of snaps yesterday. And I think that is a good indication that see that Gannon is growing as a coordinator as well. We we keep we forget the guy was a defensive backs coach. He didn't come here as you know this mastermind defensive coordinator. He was a defensive backs coach. So I think he's kind of growing into the job as well and getting more talent health, but yesterday he didn't have his full brigade of talent and they still kind of dominated the game on defense
2: I didn't get to watch much of it I know the Cowboys won 25 to 10 I know the commanders did not look good based on what I got to see you watched a heck of a lot more in this game than I did Mike what are we making the Cowboys right now I mean three and one is three and one and they're looking at a pretty impressive three one despite the circumstances.
4: Well, their defense, man. And again, yesterday, their defense. Look, I think Washington has a lot of issues. In fact, if you're talking to people uh, in Washington, uh, it's right back to that there's a lot of more issues fundamentally in the organization, right? That they have just that there's something not right there. And I don't know if it's Carson Wentz, if that's already. Uh, backfiring on them if they're already thinking that we make a mistake in this with this move here. But um, that Washington team should be better than they are. The Dallas, look, Cooper Rush, give them some credit. I don't know what's going to happen. I think Dak Prescott, there were some reports that he might play in week five. Rush is playing pretty well. He made some big throws yesterday in that game. But I think what they're doing... Lamb had a good game yesterday too. Remember, he had the big drop the week before and they won the game. But their defense is is outstanding. And that's something that when you look at teams in the NFL, if you can be consistent on that side of the ball, you're gonna be tough. If you can it's like the old uh, Buddy Ryan teams, like uh even or the Andy Reid teams, where you would say, McNabb, just run around and make a play or two, and our defense will be good enough that those two plays that you make should help us. You know win a game so that's where i know it's not that dallas is asking the quarterback to run around and make plays but they're keeping it simple they're playing just tremendous defense right now and and we talk about it at the beginning of the year the difference between philly and dallas when the year started was well we thought they had the better quarterback we thought they had the best defense but the eagles may have had a better 53. well we're seeing that dallas's defense is really good we're not sure if they have the better quarterback, but that defense is good enough to still make this, I think, a pretty interesting race.
2: Yeah, so one of my overreactions, uh, reality checks for CBS Sports this week was if Cooper Rush starts the next two games, the Dallas Cowboys can win the NFC East. And I said that's a overreaction. But even though I gave Cooper Rush a ton of crap, if Dallas is in the NFC East race, I agree, Mike, it is the defense. But they're not playing the commanders now. They're not playing the Giants. The Bengals' win was impressive, but I think the Bengals are a much different team now than they were in Week 2. Now you got the Rams. Now you got the Eagles. You got two challenges coming up. I mean, the Eagles can really find a way to separate themselves from Dallas, especially if Dallas loses next week. Like, there's blood in the water here. And Dallas, I think, I I don't want to say their season comes down the next week because that's a really big overreaction. But I think... Next week is a real prove-it game for that football team.
4: Well, every week for them, you know, yesterday, I think if you look back at their box score, I I think they ran the ball more than they threw it. You know, how many weeks? They're very balanced. I think it was uh, 29 to 27. 29 runs, 27 passes. There's going to be a couple of weeks where they're going to have to ask the quarterback to throw the ball more. That's where I think Dallas – until until Romo until Prescott comes back um can rush can they keep it balanced like that can they keep it where they because that's what, what if you watch that game yesterday and, and just kind of checking in on them a little bit here and there every time you turn the game on they're turning around and hand the ball off to Elliott he had 20 carries yesterday 1920 carries yesterday I thought they could use Pollard more he only had eight carries in the game yesterday but um, that's been the formula for them the last two weeks anyway, is turn the ball, turn around, hand the ball off, and then save throws. I mean, is good enough to deliver it when guys are open, and that's Washington's secondary pitiful right now. Because uh, if you look back at the game two weeks ago, or both teams last week, Philly had nine sacks. Dallas had, what, five or six sacks against the Giants. You figured they were going to be all over Carson Winches. And they only sacked them twice, but – They pressured him all day long. I think he had two interceptions in the game. And again, can they keep winning like that? Yeah. If their defense is going to stay consistently like that, yes, they can. I think that Dallas is going to be – look, most people wrote them off as soon as Prescott went down. The season's over. They're done. Here they are at 3-1. and You're pointing at yourself. Right. Um, I figured that defense would keep them around. The question will be, do they play – the same style of offense when Prescott comes back? And if they don't, is he healthy and good enough to be the guy they can lean on? That'll be the big question.
2: Didn't that game yesterday, the Commanders-Cowboys game, didn't it feel like the Eagles-Commanders game? Dallas took an early lead. I mean, Washington, the difference was Washington did take the lead at one point in that game. But could, Dallas could run the ball. And Cooper Rush was still able to beat a bad secondary. And, look, the defense took over. And, you know, it never felt like that game, at least from the bits and pieces I watched of it, Dallas was going to lose that game. And no, to, yeah, to me, it's – I think you and I are, are both correct on this. Maybe we overestimated the commanders here. I just don't think they're a good football team.
4: Yeah, I thought the commanders – look – and it came down to Wentz, and and look, he was, what, he had a uh, 25 of 42 yesterday, he averaged four yards a pass yesterday, uh, too safe, afraid to turn it over, he still turned it over twice, um, look, in 2016, you saw this kid who was a playmaker, you know, a little bit of a gunslinger, in 2017, he matured into a Almost an MVP candidate. Many people think he would have won the MVP. He gets hurt. 2018, he comes back. Not the same player, but wasn't this guy. 2019, he had the back injury, had a pretty down year. But in those last four games, you saw this gutty guy who gutted this team to the playoffs. 2020, he was horrible. Horrible. Last year, you saw a guy that seemingly was was building himself back up. But what made Wentz the guy in Philly those first two seasons anyway? His ability to get out of pressure, improvise, make plays with his legs. He can't do that anymore. And if he can't be that guy, he's not good enough to. to and, and I think we were saying, okay, if he could just be the guy he was in Indianapolis, you know what? That's not good enough either. Not, not, not where he is as a passer and i think you're right we probably because they have good talent around him i don't the defense is not two years ago when they won the division that defense looked like it was going to be a young up-and-coming defense a problem for a while now chase young's not out there but i don't even know that adding him is changing the way that their secondary is terrible um so yeah i think we overrate them The, the the team that we might have to take a look at look you have the giants at 3 and 1 you have dallas at 3 and 1 and you've got philly at 4 and 0 so the pressure is is right there on everybody but we have to now start to figure out what is this giants team right yesterday that was an easy under bet by the way my god those two teams set football back years with their passing games but the giants defense is that something that they can I don't. Think, the problem with the Giants is I don't think their defense is consistent enough like Dallas's defense, where you can have limitations on offense. Dallas has some limitations on offense. Their defense hides. I don't think the Giants' defense is consistent enough week to week to hide some of the limitations on offense. So the, the Giants have more of maybe a ceiling of like 9 and 8, whereas Dallas, I think, can probably get to 10 or 11.
2: I'll tell you what, Mike. I think Giants fans are about the – get a huge disappointment out of this football team because all of a sudden now i think they're starting to think they're as good as the eagles and cowboys because of their record well guess what the eagles and cowboys didn't get to play the gift of the chicago bears so they did and i was not surprised the giants won that game yesterday because they are a better coach team because saquon barkley right now in my opinion is the best running back in the nfl um you know daniel jones isn't turning the football over like he normally does but Overall the Giants are doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, they're beating teams they're supposed to beat. And that Tennessee win now looks significantly better after what you saw the Titans do the last two weeks. And look, the you know, the, the Bears aren't a good team, but the Giants beat them. They took care of business. Uh their only game they looked bad was the game on the national spotlight, but you're right. I think we have to take this Giants team seriously because they can run the football. Well,
4: yeah, Jeff, this is you just kind of hinted at it. You said, "Well, they beat the Bears, and everybody's going to say the same thing. Nobody's beating anybody, especially in the NFC East." The NFC East plays uh, a pretty weak schedule this year. That was the whole narrative coming in. Oh, the Eagles have the second easiest schedule in the league, and this team's got, you know, the the four NFC East teams have like, you know, six or seven of the uh, four of the six or seven easiest schedules in the league because of the divisions that they crossed over and played this year. So, uh, where they play the uh, they play the AFC South, so they're all playing Tennessee, Indianapolis, Houston, and Jacksonville. So probably the weakest division in football. So each week we're going to keep saying like we've talked about it a couple of weeks ago. When are the Eagles going to get tested? Now they go to Arizona. They had a nice road win last week, but they're horrible at home. They're actually I think they're nine and one in their last ten road games and one and seven in their last eight. Road games. Maybe Tone can look that up for me. But I think I remember talking about that last week. Is they're not a good home team there, but but that Arizona team, and and I tweeted this yesterday about they're like everybody else in the NFL. They're mediocre, they're week to week. What team shows up? You never know. Um, that Arizona game might be the well, they play Dallas right before the bye. They got Green Bay in week 12. They just don't have a lot of challenges on the schedule. And we're going to be saying that about everybody. We're not going to learn anything about the Giants because they're just not going to play anybody. And it's like the Eagles last year. They made the playoffs. They got in, but they didn't beat anybody. And then when they got into the playoffs, they played someone and they weren't ready and they didn't stack up. So I think that might be where the Giants could be. They could be like last year's Philadelphia team where they got into the playoffs at nine and eight and they faced a real team and just figured out that they weren't there yet. But I think that's going to be the whole season, Jeff, because there's nobody on the schedule that anybody's going to be able to get a true litmus test to see if they are ready.
2: Yeah. You took my word there. Litmus test. Cause I think the giants might have one next week against the Packers, but that game's in London. That's they the
4: one team. The, the Packers are the one team that the Eagles play, the Giants play, like that you can kind of stack up. And even they struggled yesterday at home against a pretty mediocre New England team. And I watched a lot of that game.
2: Yeah. And one of my own reactions was the Packers are the best team in the NFC. And on paper, I think they should be, but <laughs> you're barely being Bailey Zappi who never played. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Like, defense is inspired in that. and. Yeah, their offense is discombobulated right now. It's out of sync. It's they're getting better by the week. I'll give them credit, but I mean, unless the they Packers- don't have,
4: they don't have the weapons that they had, and that is a problem. I mean, you have a guy like Devontae Adams. You take him away, he. I'm not saying, and this isn't a slight Aaron Rodgers in the like in the least bit, but you have a great player throwing to a great player. Now you have a great player trying to find a great player, and they don't have the guys to make the plays that Devontae Adams was making for them. And that shows, because in a in a moment where you need something, he knows he can flick it up in the air because he's that good, Rodgers, just to say, all right, I'm going to get it to you, buddy. That guy's going to go up and go get it. Who's making that play for them right now? Nobody.
2: Yeah, I, This is to me, the difference. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. It's the front offices. Green Bay decide, you know what, we're going to replace him with young guys because we're paying Aaron Rodgers a lot of money. The Kansas City Chiefs side, you know what? We're going to allocate this Tyreek Hill, Mike. We're going to get Marquez Valdez-Cantley. We're going to get Juju Smith-Schuster. We're going to draft Sky Moore. We still have Travis Kelsey. Uh, we still got a pretty good team. Oh, and by the way, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback on the planet. And I, I, to me, Mike, it's Kansas City, Buffalo, and everybody else right now. And I'm going to count Philadelphia in that right now. But I think Philadelphia is starting to get in that territory where it is Kansas City and Buffalo.
4: Yeah, I, I watched last night. I mean, I was all over the dial yesterday, um, and I don't watch red zone, so I'm watching games, guys. That I'm watching this
2: games. Good. I, I yeah. watched that when I got home.
4: Yeah, I, I watched. Well, I left last night, extremely impressed with Kansas City and what they look. Tampa Bay's got a pretty good defense, and they steamrolled them. Tampa Bay looked like they didn't belong on this. They were at home. That game started with Tampa as a home underdog in the beginning of the week, they were a home dog in the game. It flipped by the time the game started, but Kansas city just took that defense to the woodshed, man. They did everything they wanted. They got creative. Uh, the touchdown they run with a tight end goes in motion. They had Mahomes pointing over here. Everybody went that way. And the tight end snuck up under center and took the snap and ran it in for the, that was I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, but I thought I left very impressed with Kansas City. You mentioned Buffalo. Baltimore is a team that I think is tough. I don't know that they're a team that we're going to give enough credit to. They should have won that game yesterday. Now, I give credit to Buffalo. I give credit to Buffalo going on the road for the second straight week in a tough place to play and coming out with a win. But I think Baltimore's pretty tough. Um, I'm trying to think who else yesterday was like, all right, this. Oh, you mentioned Tennessee. I think we're downplaying Tennessee a lot. They won 13 games last year. They lost AJ Brown. I think they have to kind of reinvent themselves a little bit. But um, by the way, two straight weeks, I bet Tennessee. That team is an easy bet right now. But uh, I liked not that Tennessee. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, but I think you're right. They're better than we probably were giving them credit for after the way they started. But there's not a lot of cream rising to the to, to the to the top. I think Philadelphia's got to be look. They're one of the five teams right now that have a shot.
2: Yeah, and by the way, you know who Tennessee got next week? No. The commanders. So Okay. Three and two, but uh, overall, Mike, once again, I appreciate you coming on. I love talking to you on Monday morning. We'll be doing it tonight on Sports Bat at 530. Uh, Who else you got on today, by the way?
4: Man, it's too early for me to think. Uh, We've got, we do football at four every day at four o'clock. We do, uh, the guys from Inside the Birds are on. So today is Jeff Mosher. Uh, John McMullen is on at three o'clock every day. Actually, on the day after an Eagles game, it's probably a little later because Sirianni talks. So Johnny Mac joins me. Uh, and then, uh, let's say, oh, Casey Joyner from The Athletic at 5 o'clock. We do one thought on every game. He'll give us a quick thought on every game that he watched yesterday. So that's always a fun and fast segment.
2: Uh, all right, Mike, sounds great. Uh, listen to Sports Bash, comes on at 2 o'clock on 97.3 ESPN. Mike, I appreciate you, my man. Um, I'll talk to you later this afternoon.
4: All right, Jeff, see you, bud.
2: All right. And I got to pull my Joey McDonald here. He is coming up next, but we got to put a bow on the show right through this.
0: is you know the team you trust the Delaware Valley's leading news program action news go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean
2: This is what I'm going to end the show with. If I have to rank the NCE's hierarchy right now, I think it's the Eagles and the Cowboys. I think they're the two, if you want to be quite honest. Um, Based on what I watched a little bit of that game, I didn't didn't expect the Cowboys to lose yesterday. And I definitely didn't expect the Eagles to lose, even though the Eagles had a much tougher uh, opponent than Dallas yesterday. Eagles and Dallas are the two best teams in this division. I respect the Giants. I think the Giants are doing exactly what they should be doing. Um, after that Tennessee win, I thought the culture has changed there. And it is changing. It's continuing to change. I think Giants fans got to hold their breath, though. You, you should not be crapping on Eagles and Cowboys. Because guess what? You're not at their level yet. You might get to their level, maybe even this year. But I, I don't think so. But I think the Giants are going to be a thorn in everybody's side the rest of the season. And they got a good test next week. Washington, I, I don't know. I just don't know what the Washington Commanders name were. Um Their season could get ugly and it could get ugly fast. Tennessee could really put a nail in their coffin next week, especially with how good this division is. Uh, but I am not counting out the Giants against the Packers. The Cowboys got a big test with the Rams and the Eagles got a big test with the Cardinals. And But well, overall, guys, it was football Sunday. I'll uh, talk to you guys about what I saw at the Eagles game tomorrow. Uh, I'm expected to have Clay Harbor on to do me a here. So, Again, it it was a fun show. Once again, another Victory Monday here on Good Morning NFC East. Uh, Once again, my name is Jeff Kerr, NFL writer, CBS Sports. You can read a bunch of my columns over at CBSSports.com from the game yesterday from Philadelphia and also my week four overreactions and reality checks. Uh, Burst 365, Joey McDonald and John McMullen coming up next. Remember, smash that like button, as what Rob Ellis always says. Uh, Talk to you soon, guys. Have a good day.